And it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be wild, we don't know what we're gonna say. That's not a Harry Potter song. <laughs> oh. Well, wait, hold on, is it this one? Uh, uh, how's it go? Huh? I am the prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> is that a real song? <laughs> Sounds like a bop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're out of the prison now. Oh, shallow. Are you doing shallow? <laughs> Am I? <laughs> wow. Okay. Turning this into a game? Trying to uh, add some interaction here? No, the the big <laughs> prisoner of Azkaban song is the Something Wicked This Way Comes. <laughs> is that the, the Taylor Swift? No. Oh. What? Oh wait! No, I'm, that's I'm like getting, a that's a Halloween song. I got confused. I thought we were still doing the Hunger Games episode. Oh my god! <laughs> Get out of here! Oops. So wait. No, how you, does it, how does it go again? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> is it the, the the village song? Maybe. Wait, who is it? Arcade Fire? No, that's Hunger Games. That's oh, that's also ah. <laughs> Are you serious or are you joking? Who made that song? Who? What song? The song for Azkaban. No one. Oh. They don't do that for Harry Potter. They should have. What if you had like Guns N' Roses that came out of nowhere? That'd be cool. I was watching a lot of interviews of Daniel Radcliffe and apparently he likes... Guns N' Roses? Rock bands a lot or something. Oh. Rock music. What kind of rock? Classic rock? Punk uh, rock? All of it. 70s. Glam? No, I don't think glam. No. No 80s. Hair rock? He said punk rock, and then the director was saying how he knew rock music from all the decades. Oh, the director of this movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, huh. Well, so wait, well, before we find out who, who, which director that was and who that was, what is the movie that we're covering today? You didn't, you didn't do a musical intro. Okay. Well, I, I tried Prisoner. I tried my hand. Well, it was a little modern. Okay. <laughs> what, was it the, what was the one I was doing before we recorded it's the prisoner no you ask ben we recorded that i think <laughs> no 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 it wasn't that one no like an actual song like all the other harry potter episodes we've done prisoner of Azkaban. That's not <laughs> okay <laughs> serious as black is his name <laughs> I think I may have messed up Sir- Sirius Black is his name. Okay. See, that's why I'm at High Key Book Club, because I couldn't get picked up anywhere else. Wow. <laughs> I, guess well, we're, I guess we're giving up on the musical intro. No. That fucking song from Prisoner of Azkaban. I so it's the one where they arrive at Hogwarts and the choir of kids is singing. Oh. And the toast. 
That's enough. <laughs> she, she's giving me the cut signal from behind the <laughs> behind the booth. Mm-hmm. Zeleny's over there on the decks, keeping all of the knobs mixed and sound EQ'd. So with that being said, I guess this is a good time to just introduce ourselves. Go ahead. Take it away. Uh, so we're Hunky Book Club, a podcast. Oh, I didn't know that. Where we cover, I almost said music. <laughs> we cover movies and TV. Well, it's sprinkled with some music. Uh, Musical uh, interludes. Mm, so, <laughs> okay, we're Hanging Book Club, a podcast where we book club movies and TV shows. You bet Every we do. week. And usually we do a spoilers, a non-spoiler review section at first and then a spoiler section after. But with the Harry Potter ones we've been doing, we did one and two already. We've taken some liberties. Yeah, and since they're older and very like specific to a fandom we're just it's a spoilers from here wait on out. so you're saying from right this point no turning back yeah no looking back yeah and spoilers for the book and the movie because we're gonna talk be talking about comparisons and whatnot I, we, I had a lot of thoughts about that this is this is gonna be full-on tea complete oh my god <laughs> the one trendy term disclosed. you know I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. We're High Key Book Club. I'm Cameron. I'm Delaney. I'm Cameron. <laughs> you already said that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. We're going to be jumping in full steam ahead. So if you haven't watched Prisoner of Azkaban, I mean, I guess you could keep listening. I probably would. But I mean, also, if you've read it, that this is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know more than probably what we'll get into a lot well, of. But Delaney... Mm-hmm. So you've been reading these books as we've mm-hmm. been covering them, right? Yeah, that's why there was a little delay. And yeah. Oh, with this book? Yeah. Was it a little longer? Yeah. Yeah, Goblet of Fire is going to take me a while. There's just so much going on. Like there's a lot of plots? No, no, no. It's just longer and there's a lot going on in my life, I mean. Oh, oh, right, right, right. So it's like hard for me to sit down and read. But it's my favorite one too. So hopefully I'll get through it. You will. I'll be there for you. Most steps of the way. Yeah. So today we're who knows, on... Maybe it would be like January or February. May, maybe. Who knows? Ooh. Who knows? <laughs> we don't come back till spring break. <laughs> today. Pre- yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I can't control that. <laughs> the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. And. Serious Black. <laughs> no. Not. No. Um, what are they saying? What uh, are they? What's, uh, <laughs> do we have some tweets coming in? No, <laughs> no, we don't. We, if we did the, if we do this live, we could have like live. Tweets. No, tweets at us. Tweet at us at High Key Book Club. Yes, that's on Twitter. <laughs> you don't even check. I should. I'm weak on my tweet game. Boy, got to get weak strong. On, weak on your internet game. Build up my strength. <laughs> Not relevant. <laughs> well, since when are we relevant? Well, I was going to say Prisoner of Azkaban is the fan favorite. Is it? Oh, oh, mm-hmm. among the at least the book saga? Both. And the movies? Both. I know. I'm shook too. So what happened? How did this happen? I don't know. So what happened is, I don't know for some reason in this rewatch, both of us had like a lot more criticisms than we expected. Oh. Right? Strange. It's extraño. Because you said it was one of your favorite movies, too. I we did. Have it, we have it on tape. I, <laughs> I played that back. <laughs> no, we can't play that back. But I guess <laughs> I believe you. And I know I've said it before. Uh, this, well, 
it was really because it was definitely my favorite book. Now, we all know, if you've listened to our previous episodes, that I haven't read all of the Harry Potter books, but I read through the fourth and... But like a long time ago. You haven't reread them oh, like as an adult. Exactly. Very long time ago. And just as a child or a teenager, I loved The Prisoner of Azkaban. It was my favorite. And, and now, like when I was thinking about the story and when we were watching it, I think it was part of the time travel aspect of it that... <laughs> alert me <laughs> but in the book that's only the very last chapter i know but i think that there was just something climactic about it all it, it, and it just yeah. I, I felt like the build-up to that finale was phenomenal mm-hmm. i hadn't been taken on a journey like that in a book before mm-hmm. and so that was really special i mean you know i read holes lord of the flies <laughs> holes <laughs> <laughs> i never read that unpopular opinion <laughs> that's okay we could just watch the movie everyone else i never saw the movie yet. everyone maybe else maybe we should did. cover holes maybe yeah sure i <laughs> don't was, know, i don't get what it's about that was holes? like the big <laughs> is it just about holes well no <laughs> it uh, has shia LaBeouf. yeah the booth they have to well they're 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 looking for something but it's guised as punishment a lot of holes yes i can already guess the whole plot just from that the whole plot the whole plot (laughs) there's like an evil corporation that wants to find buried treasure and they make all these kids do it i mean yeah wow from what i can remember i figured out the whole plot of holes but i don't remember it too well so don't (laughs) quote me but i just remembered that one was weirdly popular when i was was, in fifth sixth grade i remember yeah it was so popular (laughs) Are books like that still? Like, do they like get popular? Probably, in like but that? why? We wouldn't know. We wouldn't. We're old. That's true. Okay. So, Prisoner of Azkaban. I loved the book, and I remember loving the movie. But then I rewatched it this time, and it wasn't. It didn't hold up the way I thought it did. Yeah, I think for me, what happened is I had just read the book, and it felt fresh out of the. Reading. Yeah, it was really fresh, and then seeing that the movie left so much out of the book. That I think had repercussions for the whole rest of the series. Oh. So my main, I think, problem with the movie wasn't so much the direction. It was the ad- adaptation. Okay. Because... So you're going to take it down to the root. Yeah. So in Chamber of Secrets, we sort of determined it was the f- fault of like the source material. Mm-hmm. And I, exactly. think, I think the movie carried it out really well. Yeah it executed the whole that's so strange how like we we were in we we thought less of chamber of secrets i think prior to reviewing it mm-hmm. and then when we reviewed it we were like whoa hold up maybe this is not well, so bad we we did criticize it a lot a lot in that podcast because it's oh. so disliked in general right it has this bad rep but prisoner of azkaban has literally the best rep and everyone loves it but this time it just i don't know it felt not great but for me i think it was the adaptation i think they leave out such important things that impact the whole rest of the movies and the way you see a lot of characters like they're so much more important in the book and in the movie you never get the importance basically it's a ramus serious and um i guess just like the marauders in general Mm -hmm. so you're saying that in this third edition mm-hmm. of the full seven edition story that this was an opportunity for them to establish some very key characters well, and we have stories. a lot of new characters mm-hmm. 
But we don't understand their importance because they don't explain their connection to Harry. Exactly. They just allude to it, sort of. Like, here, they, they pepper it here and there with just Barely, nods to his though. parents. Barely. Yeah, but you don't, you never understand by just watching the movies that Lupin is really important to Harry in, like, being sort mm-hmm. of an uncle figure because he was best friends with his dad. Like, in the movie, he only mentions knowing his mom a little bit, but, like, nothing about his dad and then Sirius, too. I mean, at least Sirius is more clear. It's like, you're my godfather, whatever. But Lupin, not so much. And there were a lot of opportunities to be able to do that. Yeah. And they filled it in more with an unnecessary shots. Yeah. I think not knowing, not knowing that the Marauders are his dad and his squad... Like, to me, that's, like, ridiculous. It's almost like they just, the whoever adapted it just read the third one and then bothered to, like, read on. Well, I don't know how many were out yet. It's I think they too. were on, like, Order of the Phoenix or something. Oh, it had to be more than that. They had to. I feel like by Prisoner of Azkaban, they should have been on Half-Blood Prince, but I could it be It was wrong. 2004. I don't know. But I'm just <laughs> Order saying. Order of the Rowling. Or is it Rowling? I don't know. <laughs> to finish up these books. It's like, what if they, what what if they got all the way to the last, ready to produce the last movie, and she hadn't finished writing Deadly Hollows? No, she can't do that. She has contracts too. What did you think of Deadly Hollows, just as a book? Uh, well, get there. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't exist. But yet. anyway, what happened is, like, the book has so much more details that I think are important, and the movie just glosses over them. And I can break down all the details. All of them? Yeah. I mean, if you could do it in two minutes. Why? Starting now. I'm just kidding. The Marauders thing. I'm trying to put some pressure on you. The Marauders thing made made me mad. Yeah, they they didn't flesh it out. That they don't tell Harry that his dad wrote it. Right. They just like, oh, here's a handy, convenient map. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't even explain like how the uh, how they came in possession of it. Yeah. No. The weasleys well that they stole it from filch oh. it's not that hard right but yeah like that his dad wrote it and his friends who are serious and Pettigrew and remus and then he never he never knows about the stag either that his dad's patronus and he well that he would turn into a stag and that's why harry's patronus is a stag none of that's in the movie yeah and and I think people that read the book don't realize all that stuff is out of the movie just because they know it already. Because I remember when I was reading the books for the first time a few years ago, I told my friends when I found out, like, wait, the Marauders are Harry's dad and his friends? And they're like, yeah, of course. Like, how did you not know that? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I missed it in the movie. But no, it's not in there. It's completely out. Uh, and, and you just get these names that are totally not explained at all. And really, these are important relationships that explain why we're in the well, political chaos that we end up being in and the, the magical chaos with Voldemort. They don't explain also that like all of them would turn into animals to help Lupin because Lupin's a werewolf. They would go with him to the Shrieking sh- the Shrieking Shack, the which, shrieking is wh- track. which is where Sh- they end up at the end. Mm-hmm. And that they, like his friends learned to turn into animals for him mm. just to keep him company as a werewolf who, who's discriminated against. And the reason they planted the Whomping Willow was because they wanted a safe way to s- 
keep Lupin and the Shrieking Shack and students away from it. Away from it, yeah. Pretty from smart. When he transforms, did Hagrid have any say in developing that? No, he's or, no, he's a later gen. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it, that all seems important and not that hard to put in somehow. At least that his dad wrote it. I guess that that just that wasn't the movie that they were trying to make. They didn't want to distract from the main core characters of yeah. the kids. But it's so important. Because they're like, oh, if we try to... It's like what I'm running into with my doc, <laughs> right? Where they only have so much time and they want to ease the complications as much as possible. I know. That's what the director was saying, too, I guess. Oh. I saw an, some... Like an interview? Some interviews, yeah. Oh. It's cool. I'm glad... It's weird. Like, I'm glad Mexican directors are, like, successful for some reason. <laughs> it's so random to me. But that's cool. But also, like... Is there, like, a club they join? <laughs> like, they're all friends, too. Like, Del Toro and Alfonso Cuaron did this one. Cuaron. Oh. And Iñárritu. Wait, is he Mexican? Yeah, he's Mexican. Oh. He did Y Tu Mamá También, which is, like, a famous... It was, like, kind of an indie Mexican movie, but became really big because it won a bunch of awards or something. Mm. And it's weird. Like, it, it doesn't seem like the same type of genre at all. But I was listening to him talk about it. And he said he just read the book and really connected with it and hmm. saw how he could do it. Well, then there, and, and then he just pitched himself. <laughs> no, no, I, they approached him. But oh, that's cool. At first, he wasn't sure because he hadn't read the book, but then he read the book and oh. decided yes. That's pretty nice. But yeah, he seemed really cool. I watched like a pretty long interview with him just about everything, talking to this old white guy that was kind of talking to him very like you understand like very like slow because he's mexican has like a bit of a mexican accent mm -hmm. and this old white guy was just like being kind of <laughs> condescending well just like yeah like trying to speak so slow to like make him understand like do you realize to direct harry potter you have to listen to british people like if a mexican can figure out british which i barely can then they're good <laughs> they're good to go what is that Fish truck. It sounds reversing. like a UFO. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I, hey, I thought I would invite. Oh my God's back. I thought I'd invite my homies. Oh my God. That's terrifying. From back in the day. Oof. That's scary. I got to I gotta give them some pop culture. Uh, <laughs> what, do we, what do we call this? Some pop culture knowledge. <laughs> uh -huh. So yeah, it's cool that he's Mexican. It is cool. And... He seemed very smart and, like, very interested in telling very, like, character-driven stories, I guess. And... He really focuses on the characters in these. Yeah. Yeah, and he, apparently he assigned each of the kids an essay. As an actor? Yeah, as actors in, to write, like, about their character... In the first person as their characters write, like, the story of the character's life before the movies. Apparently Ron didn't write his... I don't blame Rupert. <laughs> because he, quote unquote, wouldn't do it. Well, yeah, he ended up like, getting the short end of the stick and wasn't featured much in this movie. That's what I felt of, like. No, I he, like, he had the whole Scabbers thing. Oh, but still, no, I think Scabbers in the end stole the spotlight from Ron. Like, I, I feel like mm. Ron was not much featured in this movie. There you go. Maybe that's why. <laughs> I also think his voice was like the most cracked of them all. Kind of like stuck in between that matters they're already teenagers at this point that's a good point like the characters I mean, that's actually a good point too because this is the first movie where i feel like they were really yeah that's what they're saying and they got to wear jeans they were like we 
we're teens now. We get to, we get to wear jeans. In Hogwarts? They said that. And I'm like, oh, I hate that. I hate that. I was wearing jeans before I was a teen. <laughs> no, that's not the point. I mean, I hate that they're wearing jeans at Hogwarts. Like, yeah. That's okay. so yeah. inaccurate. You had a big criticism with this. Yeah, I don't you like You were that. telling me immediately after we well, watched it. Well, because wizards are like not wanting to be like muggles, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they wouldn't wear jeans. It would... Yeah, it's not their world. Yeah, it would seem like inappropriate almost. Do you think so? And are they like in casual clothing in the books? No. No mention of it anywhere? No. Only when they go like Like, into the muggle world. Hermione was wearing very exceptionally casual clothes today. No, never. (laughs) They wore robes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't get it. Because it's very much like embedded in my vision of the Prisoner of Azkaban movie. The robes? No, the the casual clothing yeah, that they're me in. Too. Because I don't remember seeing well, it in they any wear, other movie. They like wear that. the same one the whole time. They wear hoodies and jeans the whole time. Oh, in the subsequent movies? No, in this one. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah, like Hermione's pink hoodie and the jeans is very like prominent. Were they wearing uniforms when they were with was it Buckbeak? I feel like they were wearing the capes. Hmm. I don't know. See, I don't jeans get, underneath. Yeah, like what is yeah, what are the rules no, I think you're here? right. I think that they. I don't um, like the inconsistency. <laughs> it's like only in class, but <laughs> if they're going to see Hagrid, it's fine. <laughs> jeans. They could be in jeans. Yeah. So Buckbeak. Uh huh. Buckbeak is what a half eagle, half horse. Hippogriff. Oh, it's a hippogriff. Yeah. Explain you, you what didn't a hippogriff listen to is. Hagrid? Oh, I remember. <sighs> I listened to him say hippogriff, but he didn't explain a hippogriff, did he? He just said, this is this is one. What more He's description? It's a hippogriff. What, what else do you need? You're seeing one. It's half hippo, half griff. I want to see that. Ew. What is a griff, though? Nothing. Well, that's my whole point. So what is a hippogriff? I have nothing to base it off of. That, you just look at it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but what was it inspired from? What does it matter? Is it a mythical creature? Probably. Do you think Rowling invented it? No. You think she t- borrowed it? Probably. From folklore? Yeah. Clark. Well, Buckbeak was, uh, is kind of saucy. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> kind of has like an attitude, right? Like you have to, not an attitude, but just. Well, that's it's, just the, how the creatures are. Right. That species. Yeah. It's so interesting because they're, they're, they mean total business if they don't know you. But like, if you just approach them, show them equality, then they will treat you respectfully. Mm-hmm. And with peace. It's like, it's this nice parallel to showing how respect for each mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. can reap rewards and we like help each other but mm-hmm. otherwise and so that's kind of like why malfoy and harry don't have a harmonious relationship because they don't respect each other i guess but also malfoy wasn't paying attention that's true too. and he's stupid and he's like my father would hear about this or oh whatever. yeah so wait did he get late like to class or something after no he was just Hagrid. in the back talking yeah and then came up when it got interesting he's dumb so that's the storyline of hagrid hagrid kind of in this movie yeah and he becomes a teacher for the first time because oh, i yeah. guess chamber of secrets he got sort of what's it called like pardoned for her because everyone thought he opened the chamber of secrets mm-hmm. back in the day remember mm-hmm. and his name got cleared in chamber of secrets so now it's more acceptable for Dumbledore to make him a teacher. So he's a teacher now. Yay! We always <laughs> wanted Hagrid to be a teacher. Did we? He's actually <laughs> a really bad one throughout the whole series. Oh, shit. He's a horrible teacher. <laughs> they don't show that in the movies much. <laughs> <laughs> 
But anyway, yeah, so we have the Buckbeak storyline, which becomes important in the end in a, in a good way. It gets tied in. And the movie also really downplays how sad Hagrid is about Buckbeak getting sentenced. You you were saying that when we were yeah, watching it. it. he's like distraught. And also it lasts like months because the There's kids... There's a whole trial process? Yeah, sort of? yeah. And the kids are helping him like make a case, like reading law books and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> throw it out. Yeah. Th- throw out the plot with the law books. <laughs> Exactly. But also in the in the book, there's a large part of it where Ron and Harry aren't talking to Hermione. Oh, that's they're right. Ma- you mentioned at, that too. They're mad at each other because of many things. But Ron, the Scabbers thing with the cat, he is sure the cat ate Scabbers. Then Harry gets mad at her because he gets sent a firebolt for Christmas the broomstick Mm. and Hermione thinks it might be from Sirius Black so she tells the teacher that he got this mysterious package and it's probably from Sirius Black and McGonagall confiscates the firebolt which is like the best broom out there imaginable right because Harry's had broken Mm -hmm. in the last yeah no 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 in this year year, right with the Dementors Right. Okay. That's right. Mm -hmm. And we haven't talked about that, but. Right. But yeah, so Harry's really mad at Hermione for getting his broom confiscated. I would be too. Everyone's mad at Hermione. And she's taking like 20 classes with her. Going behind everybody's back. (laughs) Thinking she's all that. She's a hot shot. No. She does. No. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I'm smarty tutu. (laughs) I, Uh... I can do, I can do all of these classes. Move aside, she could, boys. She could. <laughs> she was I'm doing... head girl. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm head boy, which is actually in this movie. That is. Yeah. You want to tell them about that, how you like that for? Well, phrase? I went into it in Chamber of Secrets. Right. Just that there, it's the point where Sirius, like, or the fat lady gets attacked, the painting to the entry. The entrance to the Gryffindor commons. Uh-huh. And... Percy's trying to get in front of the crowd, trying to see what happened to her. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Excuse me, I'm head boy," and he like pushes everyone, and then you see like the scratched up painting and stuff. But I just think that's a funny quote. It's not that important. There's some big. I feel like this movie has a lot of iconic moments, and maybe that plays into why it's such a favorite. It okay. has like individual Certainly. iconic moments, but like thinking of it as a whole, there's just too many things they left out from the book for me but yeah i wrote down some of the moments all right go ahead. so there's that quote from dumbledore at the grand speech at the beginning whatever mm-hmm. where he's like uh what does he say hope or something can be found in the darkest of places mm-hmm. if only one remembers to turn on the light that's like the quote from yeah. harry potter Right. It's a big one. It was said a lot after the election, I remember. Uh, 2016 election? 2016 election, yeah. It's kind of like a tough times quote. Is it on like a lot of holiday cards? No. Who, who has holiday cards? <laughs> Is it on memes? Like GIFs. There's GIFs. Yeah. yeah. I should have put that as our... Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too little, too late. <laughs> it's okay. You can only discover these things in the moment of recording them. I know. <laughs> so yeah, that's an iconic moment. Another one is ooh, ooh. the punch. Punch? The <laughs> What? The Hermione's punch 
on oh, Malfoy. Yeah. That's an iconic moment. Got it. It's, it's a good one. A nice like stress reliever to take it out on the bully, you know. She kind of has a tough side to her. Yeah, of course. Hermione is like she. I mean, I bet she's like in kickboxing class. <laughs> they don't have that, but okay. There's <laughs> also, you know? of course, always iconic, as we say. Always, siempre. Always, siempre. <laughs> always <laughs> iconic is Snape's entrances. Oh. And this movie does not disappoint. And it has the famous. Uh, he enters all super dramatically, closes all the blinds. Oh, as yes, he's going, yes, and then he's like, yes. turn to. Page 394. <laughs> Perfecto. Yeah. Werewolves. Uh, Werewolves. Yeah. But we're just going to study hanky punks and Yeah. And then he, he calls yeah. it back at the end of the scene. He says the page 394 like five times. <laughs> Very dramatically. It's kind of reminds me of A4114. How did you remember that? <laughs> That's not good. Oh my god. What the hell? You weren't even paying attention. That's a life size two, a Christmas Eve reference. Shit. That's Eve's serial number in that. Exactly. That's true. I don't remember the first Eve. It's like A1404 or 07, something like that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this number was easy for me to remember. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's a very cringy musical number at the end. And we watched it. We did. It's fun. Very different from Harry Potter. Even though, <laughs> so I did notice too in Prisoner of Azkaban, they, I feel like they were trying to ride the trend of comedy wherever they could oh. like add that like a little gag, more playful yeah gag ish type comedy that was so big in the 2000s one such example is the housekeeper when she opens the door and which was not in the trailer by the way i watched the trailer every time i watch that it, it's like <laughs> i swear i saw it in a trailer <laughs> or maybe it was like at the beginning of the dvd or at the beginning of the vhs where it's like maybe all of the movies dun, 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 <laughs> in one place you know and they have like the best clips you know and it's this like, was the last show me the money <laughs> yeah this is the last vhs of harry potter they ever made Ooh, i waited this whole podcast for you to tell me that. did i <laughs> did that's you? such a cool trivia yeah i is. like it good so maybe it was a vhs you know where you saw it mm, yeah <laughs> I mean, it would have made so much more sense, though, if they had made Goblet of Fire on two VHSs because it's oh. like <laughs> the book looks like it's a double VHS. I guess. <laughs> that would be a lot to go through, though. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I feel like they try to insert comedy at weird times sometimes for me. It just feels very like of that time instead of more timeless, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Like the night bus and... I don't know where the Jamaican head Jamaican head thing came from. That wasn't in the book. It's not in the book. What? Yeah. No, I don't know. that's very interesting. I'm not sure where they came from. It, that that was always like the. It was just a little off putting. It was out of the magical Harry well, Potter and world. They that never, I was expecting. They never explain it. They never say mm-hmm. like what kind of being it is. You know, because then you see them at the bar too. Like they're just hanging heads, but it's like, what are you? Yeah. Oh, oh, at the village? Mm-hmm. I was also going to say about that village that I feel like when I read the book, I remember the village being a lot more oh, in it. Yeah, it's important. And very important, yeah. 
It's Hogsmeade is super important. I didn't even know the name of it before I read the books. Yeah, it's weird because I can remember what it was like to watch the movies and the stuff that made no sense. Now it's like, oh, they just didn't explain it. Like, I feel like like him getting there in the invisibility cloak was a lot more of a thing than how they covered it in the book. But I, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, well, or, I mean, in the he movie. goes once without it. And then one oh. later he goes again with it. But you also see his perspective of like the whole tunnel and how long it is. Right. I think they messed up in the movie not including even a small shot of the tunnel because... What's the tunnel? Like the secret passage to get oh. into the candy shop. Right, exactly. That's why I feel like I'm missing that. Yeah, because it's like you don't realize he went th- through a secret passageway necessarily if you don't know. And it seems like that passageway would be important in the future. Yeah, it is. Oh, the passageways are in general. Mm-hmm. I guess we see the one that is under the tree that they take Ron into. Mm-hmm. But there's also the one to the candy shop. I don't know. They just could have made that clearer. And yeah, in, in the book, he gets caught under the invisibility cloak by Malfoy because he threw snowballs at him or something. And it slips for a bit and he kind of sees him. And then Malfoy runs back to Hogwarts to tell Snape. But Harry also runs through the passageway to like be there at Hogwarts. To be like, how 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 could I be there? Yeah, and he barely makes it. He's mm-hmm. like panting and Snape finds him and is all like sure that it was him, but he can't prove it. He has no proof. And that's where he sees the map. And the, that scene happens in the movie too, where Snape catches him and sees the map and the map like insults him. Reveal your secrets. <laughs> oh. Alan Rickman is so good. He is C-L-A-S-S-I-C. I was seeing in some of the interviews, Daniel Radcliffe was very like starstruck by a lot of the actors and actors. Not starstruck, but... Even by Prisoner of Azkaban? What do you mean? I'm just like, he's still like three years in it. Like No, like the new ones, because there's a lot of new ones and they're very like respected actors like Gary Oldman and Emma Thompson. It's so true. Like it was a big... Like yeah. Hollywood movie. Yeah, and and Harry or Daniel Radcliffe was very like appreciative and like you know kind of like honored to be acting next to yeah. these big experienced actors. Had Lupin been in anything else that actor? Yeah, he's he, he was famous too. These mm. are all just British people, so like some I don't know. And I guess Dumbledore probably. Too. Yeah, Michael Gambon. That was his first time this new Dumbledore you know? so what had happened there what happened to was it Richard Harris yeah didn't he pass away did he is that what happened I think so did you read you didn't see how mm-hmm. it happened was there anything about that in no. your research no okay. huh I well I will just say on that note that I remember it, it surprisingly didn't bother me that much as a kid um, as I think I was expecting yeah, it to I when I first heard <laughs> the news yeah but also I think maybe strategically but maybe not He's not that featured in the third movie, similar to Ron. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, Dumbledore is not as, in it as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like I mean, he's, he does he's his important intro. for the time travel part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he, he serves that function. He also is there when Buckbeak is about to be slayed and oh my God, yeah. <laughs> all of that. But otherwise, he doesn't come, he's not, it doesn't get much screen time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a way of softening the transition over to Dumb- this new Dumbledore for us in the series. That's smart. That's for the smart. moviegoers. Mm-hmm. Man, this is still, though, just like a hard material to 
yeah. capture. And I think about like the editing of it in terms of the oh. writing, like all the things you got to take out. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not criticizing the adaptation without that like acknowledgement that it's really hard to condense it. It was the biggest book so far they had to adapt. So like they really they cut a lot. I'm trying to see if there's anything else they cut that was important because I, I had a list. Oh, I said all of these. Wow. I'm nice. <laughs> Good job. See, you're on it. You're on it. It's also been such a natural conversation. <laughs> such a well, natural wait, conversation. So what were, <laughs> what were the numbers? We didn't really what get numbers? to cover that. Did you find any? Page um, 394. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, what yeah. was the budget maybe? What do you think? So I think the budget for Prisoner of Azkaban, 80 million. Mm-mm. Oh, shit. Less? Mm-mm. oh <laughs> no damn they keep getting higher yeah of course a hundred million more 150 million unless <laughs> oh okay 125 million 130 jesus yeah. how i mean you know they're paying the kids millions of dollars oh and that's just, really i think so oh that's good I, I saw in one interview they asked daniel it's like what's it like to be a millionaire and he's just like i don't no, I don't. I someone just told me that I was, and then I don't really see it. <laughs> right? I mean, like, I, probably, I, I doubt he has any time to go shopping or actually use that money for anything. Well, yeah, he was talking about he's he's really charismatic, honestly. Like, I, as an interviewer, oh. he's so sweet, and like, he almost feels more like Harry. Yeah, when he's when just he's himself. just himself <laughs> than in the movies, because in the movies he's so serious sometimes, and. A lot of times Harry and the character is kind of lost yeah. and just like going with the flow. And that's a lot more how Daniel's like interview persona is kind of just like, huh, I don't know. Like just, <laughs> just being like goofy and, you know. <laughs> did, you, did you say goofy and? Goofy. Oh, like as a race. He's like, he's a goofy and. <laughs> no. Yeah. He was just really charming in those interviews I was hmm. watching. I want to see him now. Mm-hmm. I've seen him in some interviews as a, an adult, mm. but not as a, when he was younger. I mean, maybe yeah. I watched a couple of behind the scenes was, from like Chamber oh, of Secrets. But. About the essays, he was saying about like how he felt really proud that he had done his. And Aww. then he saw that Emma had done like 16 pages. <laughs> True to characters. Oh and he God. felt bad. <laughs> Such an overachiever. Right. But it, it felt really like ad- or accurate for the the character, so it's funny. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a funny moment. Mm-hmm. Was that an E interview? No, it was. <laughs> I think it was like part of the CD, which oh. we have the freaking DVD. We could just actually see the behind the <laughs> scenes <sleeping>. content. <laughs> I know, I know. It, they're super cute. So let me see. For the box office, do you just have worldwide? Mm-hmm. I think that worldwide probably brought in nine hundred twenty-five. No, not that much. Oh, it um, was the second highest-grossing movie of two thousand four. Seven hundred fifty. Close. Seven ninety. Closer. Seven ninety-seven. Whoa. Okay. Mm-hmm. So almost eight hundred. Yeah. Dang. Oof. To bring in that much money is insane. I know. But it's a universal story. <laughs> I find it really cool that a Mexican directed it, at least. You know? Oh, definitely. Like, I appreciate that. It's It feels so British. Right. 
I'm just like, how did, boy, how did you understand them? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. You know? Yeah, so in this movie, we have the Dementors. Yeah. That's, that's a, a big, new character or a new concept that's for introduced. Sure. And a very important one because they're very symbolic. I got this once I read the book, at least maybe even for the second time. Once I read the book the second time, I got this. But like how they're very much a parallel for depression, you know? Uh, oof. I mean, it makes sense. Because everything goes cold. You know, you, you can't think anything happy. It's just very, like, when you see the symptoms of Dementors, you can, like, pretty exactly match them to <laughs> the symptoms of depression. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And it's a smart idea to have, like, a scary creature that represents something like this, you know? Mm-hmm. And the cure is chocolate. Just kidding. Yeah. Chocolate doesn't cure depression. I was going to say humor, but I was like, no, that's the... That's the bogger. The bogger. The bogger. <laughs> yeah. I find that, that really cool. I mean, it's really sad. And it makes sense why Harry is affected a lot more because the more trauma you have, probably the more susceptible you are to depression. Hmm. Deep. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like he has this huge trauma that they can feed on. Psychoanalysis. Oh, my God. This is like regular... <laughs> regular analysis. <laughs> yeah. It's like the people that are fans know. Dementors are scary. Yeah. I would not want to come across one. They're depression in creature form. Do they have a face? Kind of. They have a they mouth? They have a mouth. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, in the book, it's a little different. I think it'd be creep too creepy for the screen, but like they don't suck out your soul when they're there. Like when they're there, they're just there. And Harry faints. So it's not as dramatic, I guess. You don't get like the face sucking yeah. thing and when they get your soul is when they actually come in and kiss you but like they go all the way yeah to suck your soul out like there's no weird face whatever thing was in the movie oh and in, in the mo- books yeah oh i didn't realize that. like they don't just suck your face up because they're there huh they like have to kiss you how did you think that they like how i think how it's was it okay i think it's it's okay in the in the movies because i think that'd be too creepy and weird you right. know they're already scary enough as it is i feel like this movie is the most halloweeny as well oh really well it just feels the most like spooky to me you know yeah the werewolves and the, the pumpkin patch that makes a lot of sense it's the pumpkin patch <laughs> it's, it is and it starts with something wicked this way comes which i feel like is a halloween song yeah. and the big toads they're, they're like holding big toads you remember the choir. Oh, I, I, I'd have to replay that. Uh, but I believe cool it. Moment. Oh, I want to see it. Yeah, you should. Wait, what's that opening phrase at the beginning of the movie? That's a that's an annoying part. Lumos. Uh, right. Lumos. It starts with Lumos. And it's such an annoying thing because they could cut it so easily. But it. oh, we talked about why they did it probably because exposition. Yeah. Yeah. So they start the movie by harry doing lumos which is like the flashlight spell on his wand and he's not allowed to do magic outside of school like we got the note when doby fucked it up and you know did magic in the in the last movie yeah and he got like a letter that he would be expelled if you keep doing magic it was a whole issue yeah and then this he's just doing it casually i don't know i don't don't buy it i don't like it but I was saying, I was trying to figure out why, and I think it's because... Of this movie? No, no, no. It's because they're trying to expose, like, do exposition to the audience that he is m- capable of magic. So that we get quick 
as quickly oh. as possible that he's a wizard. In case you've never seen or heard of Harry Potter, you learn right away that he does magic with a wand. Right. That okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean That's that makes sense because reason I can think to um, logically do that. And I guess in the first movie we get the uh, Dumbledore flying motorcycle establishes a magical world. The second movie we get the frame of his parents yeah moving so that's like okay it's a magical world <laughs> and ow <laughs> but but yeah and then in this way they i don't know it was just kind of quick and easy and it didn't and it maybe like maybe the yeah even i i reality I'm of sure the world i think emma slipped up in one of the interviews and she what? she mentioned it but oh. then like tried to spin it like it was a good thing <laughs> like she was like oh yeah this yeah, I never understood why they did that. She was like, oh, yeah, this movie, it starts with Harry doing the Lumos spell. Even though he can't, he's not supposed to be able to do magic at high school. And then she like, kept moved on. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> That's not good. But really, I think this is a great movie. And let me tell you why. <laughs> yeah, basically. So it's just weird. <laughs> hmm. Well, they got to be on their A game. Yeah. And of course, they were saying. Just like they got to say, this one's so much darker. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. And I feel like they were saying it a bit for this one, too. Oh, yeah. But more in general, like the critics were saying it, which this movie was super critically praised. Was it? Yeah, which is crazy because the first two are so like critically not praised on, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's so annoying because I don't know. It's to me, it's so blue. Yeah, yeah. You were complaining about that a lot. Like I said before, I'm sensitive to that saturation. And this one is just so blue and gray. And it's just like darker themes don't have to mean sad, you know. Darker themes don't have to mean gray, a gray movie. For me, there were a lot more uh, dolly shots in this movie Mm -hmm. uh, than in the first two. In the first two... They seem to be a little more static, a little bit more just locked on the subject and uh, some more close ups, I think. But the point is that the they, they just kept the camera stationary on the given shot and cut to those shots. Whereas this one, there was a lot more involvement with the director using camera movement uh, throughout a given scene or shot rather than cutting just to a static and uh, that was something I noticed uh, very stylistically differently in this movie versus the first two. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a big style different. change just because of the directors. Chris Columbus actually backed out more than he was like replaced or anything. He uh, was more, I wonder why he backed out. Well, he said it was just too much. Creative differences. No, no, no. He said it was just like he loved it, but... The production schedule is too Yeah, insane. it was too intense. He was like never seeing his family and stuff. Yeah, and, and it had been like two movies in a row which is like three or more years who knows so it's kind of like so much too work. much yeah. yeah so it made sense he stayed on as producer actually oh, that's cool yeah but yeah Quaron Quaron <laughs> it's just weird the director of this one he mm-hmm. was saying he was really good at metaphors in that interview i was watching oh he was like kept using good metaphors he said like because he's he's kind of indie but very like awarded so respected now and uh, he he was saying how doing Harry Potter is like being given like an amazing car, like a beautiful car with all the best things on it, like the best engine, everything. And that you're going to drive it from New York to L.A. But the catch is you don't get any pit stops. <laughs> That's and, right. That's right. and he's like, I was never like nervous or scared, but I was like 
exhausted a lot of the time. <laughs> That's what he was saying. Because it's just constant driving. Exactly. No, no pit stops. No pit stops. And he said he actually said no pee stops. <laughs> and he was like, and at a certain point you have to pee. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I mean, that's kind of throwing some shade at the production studio. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's just like with a franchise that big, it's right. just a lot of work like that. I agree. Well, in case you don't know, it is a thing in the industry that they're trying to work on is reducing the work hours because it's supposed to be a 12-hour mm, work day. But a not. lot of times, yeah, they they stretch you out to 15, 16 hours and in many cases longer. And there are cases of that where people, crew, and cast who have left set after these long hours are in higher risk of an accident mm-hmm, when they're mm-hmm. driving uh due to sleep deprivation and fatigue so it's a it's just an ongoing issue the industry has been trying to get better about it um, but it's a thing it's definitely a thing it's hard because so it's such a competitive business that that's i feel like I'm, that's what competitive businesses allow or perpetuate because like if it's a competitive position then you they'll find someone else to do it right and that's kind of, that's the problem. It is. Because then they can push what they can make you do. But yeah, he said these the kids were really nice. They were really cool. And he said Daniel Radcliffe is, is a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. Well, like that he was very like eager to learn about music and movies. And <laughs> Monet is like, okay. <laughs> Who? Monet. Exchange? Exchange. Why? Wait. She what money, Claude? She didn't, she didn't have the sponges. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> wow, Dang, you're, you're, I'm like on it this episode. You're out you're... referencing stupid stuff more than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a first. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's there's uh this this movie is a different characteristic than the other two that we've covered so far. Um. And I think that I like the book more, but I do like the characters. Gary Oldman does a lot better job. Or, or, or I just like getting introduced to Gary Oldman in this movie. And yeah. Do you have anything else you wanted to share? There's Quidditch. Well, there's not enough Quidditch. That's a, well, in the book. Critique here. <laughs> no, I mean, they don't have time for it. But in the book, it's very important. Do we get Quidditch in every movie? Barely. <laughs> No, I don't think the later ones. Mm. Oh, we get broom flying. It's so important, though. In the book, the Oliver, uh-huh. remember he's a captain in the first one? Or, like, he's the one that teaches Harry about Quidditch in the first movie. Oliver. Or Oliver. I don't know. <laughs> I forget how, how he says his name. <laughs> I don't know if he says it, but... Oliver. He has a, like, Scottish accent. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's cool. Like, it's a bullshit. <laughs> no, I don't know. I I can't do it. A pleasure? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, he's a big deal. He's like putting pressure on the Gryffindor team to win because I think it's his last year, and he's like really depressed they didn't win the House Cup last year because Harry was in the hospital or something, and <laughs> or doing something, opening the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and. He just never won the Quidditch Cup and he wanted it and he's just putting the pressure on them and they barely scrape it, but they win it. Oh, they do. Yeah, it's fun. 
Yeah, they totally threw that out too. <laughs> yeah, they did. They're like Quidditch is not important for this story. Yeah, and it's also the first time. So actually, okay. So in the first Quidditch match that we see in the movie, the one we do see is against Hufflepuff. Mm. And it's super rainy, remember? It's very rainy. Yeah. And that's the first time in the books we get introduced to Cedric from, oh, from the next I book. I just assumed that he was introduced in Goblet of Fire. No. So he's the seeker. So he's playing opposite Harry in that match. Mm. And he catches it the moment Harry faints. So he like he's actually very noble because he's a Hufflepuff. And he's trying to get them to be like, no, this didn't count that I caught it because Harry fainted. Uh. But they were like, no, nah, you caught it. Wow, they're Yo. like, we're we're not going to watch any more of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he was saying, like, they were like, no, you caught it, that counts, y'all won. And Gryffindor's super upset because it's like the Dementors weren't supposed to be there and Harry fainted and all this stuff and his broomstick. All we see shattered. in the movie is Dumbledore rising and yeah. saving him from falling, or, or we assume. Yeah. And then, well, they, they tell oh, us that he was furious. This reminds uh-huh. me, I have to just mention the technical aspect of all of those circle transitions. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of that. Vignette. Yeah, this like vignette close <laughs> and then open back up. Yeah. Uh, circle in the center of the screen yeah that's it was very commonly used they used it i want to say four or five times in the movie it was a choice Mm -hmm. yeah and they did it at like all these key section markers where they wanted to transition yeah but yeah i think that's interesting that that is we do see cedric in the book before the whole goblet of fire mess and then also in one of the next quidditch matches that's not seen in the movie at all, is against Ravenclaw. And that's the first time Harry notices Cho Chang in the book. So we meet both of them, like, very briefly. Clearly the director was like, there are already too many characters yeah, enough. clearly. <laughs> and in the book, Harry notices her in, like, a, you know, romantic way. Hmm. And she's Seeker. So she's playing opposite him as well. So all of these really are set up in Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's an important kind of like laying the foundation for the wider world. Yeah, the it's wider like the first two were setting up our main characters in Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. The second one was like more like the dynamics of class and race, whatever. And then the third one is like all these characters that are going to be important for the rest of the... Because Pettigrew is there and Lupin and Sirius and Hagrid, Buckbeak even... Buckbeak stays there. I mean, I guess you don't see it in the movies, but in the books, Buckbeak comes back. Hmm. That's <laughs> he, cool. He's like, what's serious? I mean, I, I like Buckbeak. I think he's kind of cool. <laughs> well, we have that big moment, I think, is also an iconic moment, the like flying on Buckbeak. Oh, with Harry and yeah. Sirius? Well, just Harry. Oh, just Harry? Like, oh, like that's right, 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 right. It's kind of a long little it is. It's effects a whole... moment. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> But it's it's good. It's well done. It looked really it's, good. It's it is very really magical well done. and the landscape. For two thousand four CGI. Yeah. Bugbeak looks pretty good. Yeah. Warner Brothers was like, you know, they were pumping hundred and twenty five million dollars <laughs> in this thing. Hundred and thirty. True. I mean the only elephant in the room that we really haven't <laughs> I feel like touched on much is the time traveling device itself. <laughs> A time traveling device that has no name. <laughs> it does have a name. <laughs> I know. I'm joking. <laughs> I don't remember the name. The time turner. The time I, turner. I actually have one. Have you shown it to me? It's over there. What? So Lenny has one, and I can't. I can't go look at it now. We're live. We're recording. <laughs> it's okay. I'll show it to you after. Oh. 
<laughs> you could have surprised me, like brought it out for show and tell. I know. Sorry. I didn't. I forgot. <laughs> I, yeah. Props, y'all. <laughs> so the time turner. The time turner. So I, I, I mentioned before that in the book, the time turner is just the very last chapter, which is a big difference. Right. I feel like it takes up at least 30 minutes. It's the very last chapter? Literally, yeah. Or maybe the second to last, but it's one chapter. Like, it lasts one chapter, and it's called Hermione's Secret. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember just, like, coming to it. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of suspense leading up to it. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, because it's kind of a weird movie in that you get, like, the end. a climax, yeah. and then you're like, wait, it's not time for it to be done. Well, it kind of is because it's a long movie, but you know what I mean. And you're like, wait, what's the actual climax? But like they didn't win or anything. Right. Exactly. It feels really hopeless. There's not much to be excited about. Yeah. Honestly, this movie and story. They failed at their once. Well, this is the source material's fault. But like it's one of those where it's like so dissatisfying how everything happens so that the bad guy slips away. You know, it's so frustrating. Like it's good storytelling but it's like it makes me so mad every time i read it that pettigrew just escapes you know every time yeah (laughs) it makes me mad that rat yeah really and then like if they would have killed him they would have prevented this whole voldemort mess it's so true they had the opportunity right there but a harry showed mercy and that's what protagonists have to do they were supposed to kill him there they were ready to do it it was the whole mission i know but harry wanted to exercise mercy and <laughs> look what you made him do is that is that kind of thing where it's like you're just like uh frustrated you know teens <laughs> is that it's innocence they think they know better but no well, he's showing mercy. It's important for the hero. You can't have a hero that doesn't... You can't have a hero that kills people. You just can't, I, I guess. I guess. I guess. good is good and bad is bad and, you know, all that. But yeah, good point. Could have stopped all of this. And they didn't. <laughs> he gets away. Do you have anything else to share about the time turner? What do you have to share? Why are you so curious? I just think it's such a cool thing. Why? It's a cool little device. Because it's like an hourglass that keeps spinning. So it's like the sand is always going to be stuck in the middle. <laughs> like floating. That's why it's cool. I think it's kind of like one of those things that's very fragile because it's like, how did Hermione never change anything going back in time for class, you know? Mm-hmm. Any little thing. You know, it's kind of like one of those things you can't question too much or you'll get into a weird. And it's also the paradox of time that's like, in the first part, we see everything happened with the future them there. And it's like, like the future people influence what happened the whole time. We just didn't know. Like the rock throwing. and that. Which, That's I like remember, the paradox. It's like, it's like clever in the book how they do that too, right? Kind of. There's no rock in the book. Oh. Well, they, 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 they I'm glad they added that in the movie. Yeah. It makes it better. I liked it too. Yeah, but like the whole Patronus thing where he's like, I was able to finally do a Patronus because I knew I already had done it before, which is like, so. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like a loop, right? <laughs> yes, it's a paradox. Yeah. But he gets to do his Patronus, which is a super advanced spell and makes him very like, like a big fan of Defense Against the Dark Arts in general, which is important for the next books. <laughs> I think it's ridiculous how when Hermione is throwing the rock, 
the what makes this what makes her like snap the branch and get them to turn around as she's checking out her hair she's like is that what my hair looks that's like from not, behind that's not in the book <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> see that's the kind of stuff that they were throwing in comedy i feel yeah. like random i mean it's, it's fine it's just but I it's also like, like a visual thing i guess you know yeah. like they had to have something like that for a movie because it's like yeah you know, we can I connect guess. but i think they're trying to add some comedy just definitely. to like oh definitely which yeah, is that's it a, makes sense for a family movie though yeah it's an interesting theory I, I really hadn't thought about it or picked up on it until you mentioned it it's a good point cool. oh so i wanted to ask do we don't have voldemort anywhere in this movie do mm-hmm. we this is the only one i think with no voldemort type you thing. know who <laughs> right yeah but it's also kind of the most important for his return because Pettigrew gets out spoiler what we warned sport of spoilers but that's like spoiler for the next one no it isn't it's just saying Pettigrew. remember oh we didn't talk about divination which literally i didn't notice until this rewatch that's emma thompson she's like a famous british actress wait the emma thompson yeah are you joking did she play that witch lady in that kids movie what kids movie it's like the one with the tooth tooth yeah is it that woman the tooth it's like a kid's movie and she's like a housemaid and she has the like nanny mcphee nanny mcphee is that her no i don't think so (laughs) i'm gonna show you a picture of emma thompson is it called is that nanny she's trelawney though professor trelawney right hey google who plays nanny mcphee hey google shut up (laughs) (laughs) um so (laughs) Google, I knew it. So Google just confirmed that Emma Thompson is Nanny McPhee. <laughs> <laughs> and she's also Professor Trelawney. That's crazy. I didn't actually realize that either. Right. She's very like disguised and I guess she never looks like that. Yeah, in she her doesn't. Movies. I mean, but they also blow up her eyes, right? Right, With those right, glasses, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. I was like, oh, she's legit. But she's such an annoying character, like character in the book because she's so like trying to always predict harry dying i don't think that comes off in the movie as much i feel like the first time i watched the movie i really believed her like harry was gonna die you know you don't get that she's kind of like a a farce or something yeah mcgonagall is very like shady towards divination in oh, general. is she kind of like it's like it's the a, subject is that she thinks it's not as credible mm-hmm. she says it in the movie very briefly but mm. it's kind of a throwaway but yeah so divination is kind of like what is it it's like predicting the future. Oh. It's like crystal balls and stuff. It's a very imprecise magic. So it's like not really taken seriously. Reminds yeah. me of the Wizard of Oz. But the fortune teller, right? It's kind of playing into the fortune teller yeah, kind exactly. of trope. But Professor Trelawney has occasionally given real predictions, which is like when she does that crazy voice, like that exorcist yeah. voice that... Uh, <laughs> and th- are, those are important those are real uh. she's only done one once before that was like that and this was her second and that first one becomes very important in order of the phoenix dang mm-hmm. Oof, it's a whole universe i gotta get into <laughs> yes i gotta get out of college so, so i can read harry potter <laughs> right so that prediction was real that the servant will join his master once more that's kind of like the important part of it. And that means Pettigrew. To Voldemort. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait to watch Goblet of Fire with you. That's my favorite. Yeah, I want to see how Pettigrew comes back. Oh, yeah. And Ugh. Moody. Right. Moody. Moody's a weird one. Yeah, we're going to have a lot to talk about. It's going to be so long. I'm really excited. Do you have anything else to share? I don't think so. Did you exhaust your notes for this episode? Mm-hmm. I still didn't take any freaking notes, but it's okay. It's all up here. All Is up, it? All up here. <laughs> it was, I think. Okay. I mean, I, I, I feel pretty confident. I don't think this is going to be one of those episodes where I'm listening to it the next day and then regretting that I didn't mention that because oh, I think okay. I brought up all of my main talking points. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's... you know me, I'm always on the technical side of things and like the business side. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's a fan favorite for sure. But it's like, I guess it's a very clear story and maybe that's why too. Like yeah, the movie by itself. It's very, yeah. I, and it stands alone right it's mm-hmm. kind of like it, you don't need the other movies for yeah. it which is i think that's an element of not having voldemort in it yeah that's true because he's the kind of recurring right antagonistic force yeah well so book aside grading just the movie what's your grade what's yours oh, oh my god turning it on the me <laughs> b dang the phantom's gonna kill you yeah they are <laughs> i'm sorry i was about to say b plus why it just didn't make me feel the way that the first two movies made me feel upon rewatching it it's not as warm that's very, exactly what i was gonna say cold. i was gonna say the charm it's like it doesn't have the same it's charm. just people that's the thing like there's the people that like the charm and like the warmth of the first two and then i feel like most people are more on the side of like the darker cold like sinister adventure right it feels more um, fantastical yeah and i'm definitely team warmth more Mm -hmm. people like the drama i think of the colder and this was the first one that was like that so it's like kind of an important one for people that like the darker themes and stuff i liked it later in the series which we'll get into i don't yeah it just gets grayer from here (laughs) i swear Oh. Do you have any special shout outs today, Zeleni? You didn't ask my grade. I'm not interested. Bitch. <laughs> you, I, I gave you your chance to give me a grade. <laughs> then you asked for mine. Okay, fine. What's your grade? Oh, you want me to think of it? <laughs> mine again? <laughs> I don't know. A minus? I don't know if B plus or A minus. I was stuck between that. 89.5. Sure. Oh, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm just not a dark movie type lover. You should you should nail it down. What's your grade? No, it's between there. It's like between. Okay, fine. You're in a you're in a gray area. Yeah, a minus. I was gonna say we don't have a time turner to come back and change it. Oh, we do have one. <laughs> oh, we do have one, but I don't know if it works. I haven't tested it. You should. I should test it. I would love. To test it. Time turners are important in it. I could do like all of my projects. Oh, yeah. I really need a time See, turner See, Hermione was on to something when she used it for school. Yeah. <laughs> God. Like, seriously, I just want to turn back time and stay in my room. You know? What like, do you mean? Like, stay in your room. Don't leave anywhere, but turn back time. Oh, yeah. That's so true. That way you no use... harm, not Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> wow. Life hack. For real. <laughs> Magic world hack right yeah you had to have like dumbledore special instructions and permissions to use it i guess or the ministries i think mm, that's crazy yeah that's actually there's a, a quote from dumbledore about time in this movie oh. maybe we can end it on here and that's where it's, it's frequently used on the timesheet software that my 
work uses. What? Really? Yeah. They're like, time, time is, time is a funny thing. And when meddled with, dangerous. Wow. <laughs> That's funny they actually use that. Good quote. There's a lot of iconic moments and quotes. And I think that's also part of what makes this like a favorite. Mm. Like a lot of memorable moments. The werewolf turning, the dog imagery. You know, there's so much. 2004 too. It was like kind of media. The, well, app, media. Uh, you know what? The 2004 Bear was like. Lands. No, it was like the best year of movies you ever. You thought it was full of mov- good movies? No, mean I Girls? Think, no, Mean Girls Internal? was 06. No, it isn't. Mean Girls is 04. You can't can't try me on Mean Girls. I thought it was 06. Eternal Sunshine. That's true. Titanic. Just kidding. <laughs> oh my God, you wish. Yeah, I know. It's an important year. Those I guess, three, I guess. those three alone. Okay, they they hold the weight. They do. Mean Girls. Come on. What about Legally Blonde? All I know it is The around... Office came out in 05, and the world was never the same. Wow. <laughs> Legally Blonde was around there. Oh well, this has been a l- another fun lovely time with you talking about the prisoner of azkaban Mm -hmm. harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban and so be sure to tune in next week for us uh where we will bring you something (laughs) who knows what but if you would uh, like to get at us you can do that at twitter or instagram or facebook or email and so we can be reached at Heike book club on all of those channels we're also at Club at gmail.com and we appreciate any type of feedback suggestions or just conversations that you want to have with the hosts of high key book club myself cameron and my co-host zeleny yeah. you're you're you're, pro- you're the producer really oh i know <laughs> i'm aware <laughs> you're a powerhouse Thanks. they should know mm-hmm. well Thank you so much again for listening. We hope that you've enjoyed uh, your time with us. And until next time, you'll be hearing from us.